Welcome to the Emotioneering Podcast with me, Melissa Curran, founder and CEO of the Modern Mind Group. We're dedicated to improving your people skills so that you can have better relationships with others for a much more fulfilling life or career. People skills are not just a nice to have, they're a have to have. So when it comes to organizations as well, this really does impact the workplace and the results that you'll get from that. We're going to be delving into topics such as emotional intelligence, communication, leadership, workplace well-being, mental health, culture, and performance. I'm going to be answering your questions on all of these topics and sharing some insights from my career to help you move forward and definitely emotioneer a modern mindset. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel or on the Facebook page as well as LinkedIn. We look forward to connecting with you there. So welcome to the Emotioneering Podcast, Camille. Thank you so much, Melissa. I'm really, really, really happy to be here. (laughs) Great. We are going to be Emotioneering Law and Order, looking at how in your industry, Emotioneering and the way that we communicate with each other and the way that we express ourselves can definitely be improved. And your insights are going to just provide so much value for our listeners today. So how would you describe starting out in the early days in your career as a lawyer? Oh, great question, Melissa. Um, I think because I started young, I suffered what I called um, the 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 thing that befalls young people when they say youth is wasted on the young meaning that you think you know everything but you don't so when i started off in my career um i didn't fully appreciate what being a good lawyer meant in reality i just thought it was like oh well i just need to give great advice but i didn't really um think about how that advice was to be delivered, how I interact with my clients, how I interact with my colleagues. Do I have colleagues in the first place? Um, if I'm on my own, how do, I, how do I lead a team? Because even if you're on your own in practice, and I think this is true of most um, legal professionals in the world, you would have at the very minimum um, some kind of administrative support. Some people also have like paralegal support. They have couriers because you're constantly dealing with paper. Um, They work in chambers as with a team of lawyers or you work in the corporate life, which which I have done with a team of lawyers. And I didn't know how to go about that. So I think in hindsight, I made a lot of mistakes early on in my career that could have been avoided had I known what I know now, which is also what booking is about as well, like bringing that that experience to not just lawyers, but anyone, because this doesn't just apply to legal professionals, even though um, I think that um, for, for the purpose of, of, of this discussion, the legal profession has certain little quirks and unique bits um, that actually are ripe for just burgeoning emotional intelligence and creating 
um, an environment and a system that works, really works for the people that we, we serve. That's great. So, yeah, and like you said, it's not something that you get taught, is it? You go into that profession not knowing what is actually expected of you in order to be successful, you know, achieve great things, have great connections with people. Okay, yeah, this is getting interesting. So I'm going to ask a few more questions now, obviously, to dig in a little bit deeper into that and what you've sort of learned. So what do you think the challenge is then, Camille, with emotional intelligence and communication within the profession? Yeah, great, great question, Melissa. I definitely think that, and I want to make a, a kind of link here. I think that it has to, so there, there's a, an issue with teamwork, with communication, with lack of empathy, lack of trust. And I think those are like key cornerstones of essentially communication that is actually communication. If you don't trust someone, there isn't going to be a true dialogue. If you, if you don't empathize with someone like a client, how can they trust you, <laughs> right? How can uh, if you're not compassionate, there's no there's no trust. If 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 you're not listening well, not just listening for the purpose of okay, what is the legal aspect of this case that I have to address, but actually listening for the question that they didn't ask you, right? Because sometimes clients come to you with one thing, and they really mean something else um and you really have to learn to listen well right and then on top of all of that um you know there's there tends to be this um kind of lone ranger personality that is attracted to the legal profession you know where you know there are a lot of people who are fiercely competitive Mm -hmm. right and fiercely passionate about certain ideals or even just making money. I mean, if if we're going to be honest, not everybody has an idea. Some people just want to make money. And and that, um, I I find that 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 exacerbates those problems that are, you know, pointed out because it, it means that in addition to all of those things, there's no teamwork. Right, because I have to be the star. I have to be the one that wins. Right? I have to be the one that dominates. And you can see when you mix that soup together, you get something really unappetizing. And this doesn't mean that all lawyers are that way. Far from. I have met wonderful, wonderful professionals who are very much self aware you know, and therefore, and they bring that out in their communication with others. But equally, I have also unfortunately been privy to um, a fair amount of, of, of lawyers who just the emotional intelligence box, I don't think has quite been ticked. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. It's interesting because you're talking about sort of the um, the dramatic effect, I suppose, of, of coming out of law school and, and, you know, really going for it in this competitive edge. And it makes me think of suits 
right? And we all find <laughs> <Yeah>. that <laughs> we all find that entertaining, but that's not real life. Yeah. No, it isn't. It really isn't. And actually, suits should not be the template for real life legal work. Um, because if you, if you, uh, I'm sure you've sat down and thought about it, but your emotional intelligence had with your experience, and you would have realized that, ooh, that environment long term cannot produce a mentally healthy workplace. So why do you think this happens then? Ooh, so in addition to as I was talking about, like certain types of personalities, I think being attracted to the legal field. I also think it has to do with the training. And I can speak for the Commonwealth. My training is Commonwealth-based in the Caribbean Commonwealth in in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've had experience with, um, to some extent, the training in in the UK. Um, And I think that it's generally representative of a lot of legal training although i'd be very happy for the listeners to contradict me because then i'll feel a lot better right (laughs) um they really try to mold you into a person who can give advice so that is the sole the sole goal of legal training they don't train you to to work in a team They don't train you to run a business. They don't train you um, to necessarily have compassion for your clients. And I'm actually not sure you can train compassion, but that's a whole other, (laughs) that's a whole other topic, right? Um, Although you can, you can awaken compassion, but I mean, you know, if you have a psychological imbalance, I'm not sure you can create it. But anyway, Um, so as a result of that training, you find that when you get out, what you know how to do is give advice, but you don't know how to do very well any of the other aspects of what is actually going to make you successful. And that doesn't mean they don't teach you to listen to clients, you know, they do, but for the purpose of giving advice, not to empathize, not to have compassion, not to um, necessarily, and some law schools are a little more advanced, they will say you need to listen beyond the words, right? But they don't teach you how to do that. They just say, well, as you practice, you'll get it. But there is no, for example, there's no like active listening component of like the school that I went to. Mm-hmm. And I have not heard of that being taught anywhere else. And again, I'm happy for the listeners to tell me, actually, we do this. And I'll be like, great. I'm glad they're catching on. <laughs> um, and they, they, they also don't, um, in my view, really bring home the impact of the advice that you give on your clients. So, and this is not just for individual clients. I feel like individually, they do make it more clear that, hey, you are not just giving advice on a divorce. You are giving advice on a very significant event 
that is traumatic usually in someone's life, mm. right? But the way that we do it, you know, I'm not sure that we 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 have and we have developed that sort of compassion for the client and that might be for two reasons right because the way that they teach you to give advice is so that you you don't want to become too entangled in your client's affairs mm -hmm. because then you can't give a good advice mm -hmm. but at the same time i think that there must be a middle ground where you recognize what is happening with that person without becoming emotionally involved in their in, in their lives. You know what I mean? And it's the same thing for corporate clients. Corporations are made up of people. We like to think of them as these kind of inanimate objects where, oh, well, I have a corporate client. So, But corporations are made of people, and those people have feelings. <laughs> those people have goals themselves. Those people sometimes have hidden agendas. And you... The lawyer have to be aware of that if you're going to give great advice, right? Because great advice is not just advice that addresses the law, in my view, but great advice answers the question that the client really has. The real question, like I, I like to say, when I first started out, and I know we, we touched on that earlier, when I first started out, I thought that, the question they asked me that that was it, you know, mm -hmm. but we really have to, if we want to provide a great service, if we want to be a service oriented profession, not what you can do for me and the fees that you owe me and what me, 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 but okay, how can I bring value to this, to this corporation? How can I help? How can I ethically this is a very important part to ethically help them be legally compliant. How can I ethically help my individual clients navigate difficult times? Uh, you know, as I talked about divorce earlier, but equally coming to someone after death to deal about an estate, that is very hard for people. They have lost someone. Whether or not they, care, they, they, they appear to care about that person, still having to deal with the legal people who can be really frustrating. So Camille, what do you think is something that you've learned in your time, you know, in the profession to adapt to this different communication and a change of emotional intelligence? Oh, great, great question. Again, Melissa, it's not hard today. These are absolutely <laughs> wonderful questions. I, I really think that my journey really started with creating self-awareness, right? And that meant investing in myself with counseling and therapy and coaching and understanding, first of all, where I stood in the world and addressing past trauma, because we all have it, um, issues that may have arise at different points in my childhood and understanding how that shaped my interactions in life now and how it shaped my interactions in the workplace and even how it shaped my choice of profession, right? You know, when you, when you really dig into that inner childhood, you do realize that sometimes even the position you had in your family 
dictated, well, you know what, I'm going to be a carer. So, and so you do find that, you know, the, the, the carer in the family, they end up being like nurses or policemen or teachers, these kinds of things. And yes, it's about aptitude too, but sometimes it does have to do with our childhood. So I think that doing that work on myself was really key on the journey towards um, becoming more emotionally intelligent and work at work because I understand my triggers. And once I learned to understand my triggers, I learned how to deal with them so that the way that I interacted with other people wasn't, I was able to step back and ask myself, is this really what happened? Or is this my perception, right? Am I acting it with some kind of bias in this interaction because of something that happened to me in the past? And having that awareness and that, I want to say it was like an epiphany for me, really began in earnest my emotional intelligence journey in the work because I'm a I work in a corporate team so that really helped shape and improve the reactions with other teammates first of all because I understand myself it, it does start with you in that way but then it bleeds into value for others because it means that when I'm interacting with my clients then my focus is not on me, 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 because I am still in a state of trauma, but I'm able to now come out of that box and try to place myself in the client's shoes. What do they want from me today? How can I add value to their lives? And in doing so, you really sharpen your listening skills because all of a sudden, you're no longer listening for the, for the purpose of replying, you're listening to understand. And that is a massive, massive difference. And it does reflect in the advice that you give. Another thing um, I think that has made um, um, a massive difference um, with that self-awareness and that um, compassion, putting yourself in the client's shoes, listening properly is the way advice is structured you're not writing for another attorney so you're not writing as you would write they do teach you like a, a a kind of like template how you should structure an opinion and i'm not saying deep dive dive from that i am saying communicate in the client's language so the legal jargon or what uh, we say here sometimes illegalese. I'm not sure how many people say that. Um, most clients don't get it, right? And while you need to protect yourself from professional negligence, suits by carefully documenting your legal logic, your client, nine times out of ten, is not interested in that long-form opinion that you've written. They just want to know yes, no, or maybe, or it depends. That's what they want to know, to the answer, to answer their question. And if you understand where a client is coming from, 
and you understand what they want to know, then you can write in a way that really addresses the source of their concern. Briefly, as far as possible, nobody wants to read 10 pages of a legal opinion. I'm telling you, nobody wants to, you know? Um, and it, it just, just that shift, starting with self-awareness and it bleeding out into everything else, makes such a huge difference with your, the quality of your practice and the value that you're giving to your clients. Because I believe um, something that my mom used to say to me all the time when I was younger, she used to say, if you're not doing something properly, don't bother to do it. So what do you think the stigma is then in terms of young lawyers, attorneys, fresh out of college, coming in and hearing you talk about emotional intelligence and communication that is empathetic? What do you think that the stigma is surrounding that? Ooh. So I think, Melissa, there are, so, there, there are two main aspects of the stigma, I think. One is that, is, we touched on it already, that's the competitiveness, where it's like, I want to get ahead. And if I am emotionally intelligent, I may be seen as soft, right? And unable to deliver a result because I'm too focused on a quote-unquote soft skill. And you and I know that it, these are not soft skills. These are the skills that will make you succeed in addition to technical expertise. But I don't, I haven't seen a shift yet, just from my own reading and what I'm aware of, I haven't seen that shift yet quite in the legal profession where we are saying that actually these skills have to be taught to people. These skills have to be part of the curriculum. These skills are necessary for young lawyers to succeed. So that's the, that's the first thing, right? And the second thing, which I know that I've heard, and I know that I said it before I had my own epiphany, which is I'm not their psychiatrist. I'm not their counselor. I'm not their psychologist. They came to me for legal advice. That's what they're going to get. And that is true. They did come to you for legal advice. But being emotionally intelligent does not mean that you have to counsel anyone on a mental health level. But it simply means that you're aware of the struggles that your client may be experiencing and use it to couch your communication in a way that they will understand. So it does mean having boundaries, obviously. Um, if you're dealing with a divorce, you don't want a client calling you all hours, mm. right, simply to, 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 to vent or to cry, simply because that crosses into the territory of proper mental health counseling. And that person definitely needs that intervention to help them cope with what is happening to them. Right. Mm -hmm. But it does mean that, okay, when I am talking to this client about the whole divorce process, I will be mindful of the fact that this is a difficult time. And that means that when I'm using the language, different words, I'm going to be as simple as possible. I'm not going to ramble on because, quite frankly, they are not going to remember. 
And that means that before I meet with a client, before I get into a matter, I need to get it very clear in my head what is the law, what is the legal rule around things, so that I can break it down into the simplest way possible, right? And um, I have to mention my dad here really when it comes to this because he was always this kind of proponent of if you understand something, you should be able to explain it to anyone, right? So I was four years old and he was explaining plant pathology to me. And I understood it, right? And it's not because the work that he did wasn't complicated. It's because he, I wouldn't say complicated, but complex. But it was because he really understood what he was doing. So he could break down the language in a way that a four-year-old could, like, literally get it. And not just get it, but have a conversation around it. And I feel like that is, that. That takes time when it comes to law. They say the law is a jealous mistress. It's so true. To really understand the law, to break it down so simply, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's not, it's not going to be easy. But the value that you bring to your clients after, I'm telling you, you'll never regret it. But the thing about it is, and I, I, this is why I always go back to when you choose a career, right? Are you willing to put in the time? Do you love it? Oh, so powerful. So you got the mic, you got one opportunity and you're talking to the new lawyers and attorneys of the profession. What advice would you give them? <laughs> Ooh, hashtag no pressure, right? <laughs> um, I would basically, so even before that, like I would want to actually talk to people when they are making a decision whether or not they want to pursue law. So I know in the U.S. you have to do like a pre-law degree, so it would be right after you finish that. And in the U.K. it would be to students who are doing the GSCEs. I think that's what it's called. Um, we call it A-levels here. Mm-hmm. Um, or CAPE, which is what we have here as well. And I would ask them, what lifestyle do you want? So let's start there. What lifestyle do you want? And if you don't know, you need to find out, literally. Shadow people. And not the pretty side of the career. I mean, really get down into the nitty-gritty. If I, and I think people tend to cushion interns sometimes because you don't, you don't pay them. But, and, and I get why. But you need to... As a, as a young person, stand up and say, you know what, don't cushion me. I know you're not paying me, but I want to see everything. So if they're there until 11 o'clock in the night, you need to get your butt there too because you need to understand if this is something that you are willing to do, right? If you love the countryside, why do you want to work in a high-rise tower, right? And I'm not advocating laziness by any means, right? I'm not saying that you, you should say, well, the lifestyle I want is not to work. Yeah, that's, that's why we have, that's why my next point is important, which is get some counseling, right? There are so many free, and I, I mean, when you're young, you don't, 
unless your parents are um, are well off, you may not have the money, but there are so many free resources to talk it out. Because I I hear people talking about career counseling, but I don't think career counseling um, can... Career counseling has its place when you're talking to a well-adjusted human being. Camille, you have been incredible. I'm sure the listeners have absolutely loved hearing your points of view, your experience, what you want to say. So please tell us where we can get in touch, where they can connect with you. So you can reach me um, on my blog, which is www.wukkin.com, which is Walkin. That's the platform. Um, and when, in terms of Walkin, I always tell people my best content is actually in your inbox. So if you're on Walkin, you're reading the articles and you're not getting access to my special inbox content, you know. I do put out good things into the world, but I put out even better things in my inbox. Um, and on Instagram, I'm at the Camille Richardson. So that's T-H-E-C-A-M-I-L-L-E-R-I-C-H-A-R-D-S-O-N. And that's my Instagram handle. And I have, well, that's just basically all the things I feel passionate about in picture form. Camille, it's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Melissa, for inviting me. It has been a pleasure of my own as well. I'm so happy that um, we connected. That I don't, I don't know if I say fate, but I'm so glad that somehow our paths crossed and that I was able to be here today. Thanks for listening to the Emotioneering Podcast with me melissa curran today it's been great remember to subscribe to facebook linkedin youtube or all three you can also come to the website modernmindgroup.com where you can subscribe there stay in contact and let us know what you really think give us the feedback this is going to get better by knowing what you think uh, has this given you food for thought has it helped you change something what has it inspired let us know because that's why we're doing it It's all about the people, people, people. (laughs) Have a great day and ciao for now.